0: Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Six Podcast. I am your host Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking about all the different moves that happened throughout the Thunder organization today. This is probably the busiest day we have had all year, almost in terms of actual moves. When you want to go to, into like significance and all that, maybe this would not be the exact day you point towards, but. Three different moves in a matter of about six hours. That's something we have not seen from them this season. So I'm going to be breaking down every single one of those moves and actually some more recently reported news about our two new acquisitions to the team. So as you guys know, heading into today, today's Monday, obviously, the Thunder, they had 16 spots only one of them was open and it was a two-way contract so you have josh hall as your number one at the two-way spot and the open one because moses brown did get elevated once myers leonard got kind of kicked to the curb deservingly so so you had that one space but there was actually another one created because the thunder they cut ties with justin jackson and on the surface it's a little bit surprising you would cut justin jackson over some of the other guys we have Mike Muscala is pretty much on a minimum contract it's a little bit over two million dollars and Darius Miller is also an expiring 30 years old making seven million dollars Justin Jackson's making a little bit over five mil this year and he's only 26 years old so so he's not as old as the other guys I've listed and then you got Darius Miller who you're gonna be paying more Muscala you're paying actually a lot less so it'd probably make more sense to hold on to him but with everything going on with the team honestly i'm not all that surprised when you break it down so with justin jackson we've talked about it especially whenever there were reports contenders were interested in him he's on the final year of his rookie scale contract and quite frankly he's trying to make bank he wants to secure a spot down the line with his role with the oklahoma city thunder this year he really didn't have any security with our team like Was he probably a top 12 guy on our roster? You could probably make some sort of case with that. He was very, very inconsistent. But he had his moments where he looked very good. And we would give him those opportunities to shine. Like he had two 20-point games in February, for instance. And then whenever you get your guys healthy, he's going to be riding the bench for the next eight games until there's another time where everyone is just riddled with injuries. And that's what happened actually this past week. Where he was playing minutes again, and he did strum out 15 points in 12 minutes. It's because no one else was there. If there was any young player available, they were playing over Justin Jackson this season, and it's kind of just been that way, especially whenever Isaiah Roby won that positional battle about two weeks in. It kind of had the writing on the wall. Like, even though I think we're over 50 games, don't quote me on that, but we're hovering around there, he's only played in 33 games, and he posted pretty solid averages 7.2 points 2.2 rebounds and 1.5 assists but he wasn't shooting very well and when we ended up getting him I think it was in like this crazy mega deal I think we sent out like James Johnson got and him somewhere trickled in there but we got him in our deal the expectation was he was going to be a sharpshooter that's what he was coined as in high school when he came to north carolina that's what he was with sacramento with dallas and then coming over here he was supposed to be a catch and shoot guy 6 foot 7 small forward power forward whatever you want just get the ball shoot it and you're good to go he wasn't able to shoot at a very high rate with us he averaged 3.4 attempts but he just made a little over 30% it was 30.4 that's not good all that is numbers that we saw from Hamadou Diallo actually earlier in the season I believe it dipped below 30% now but he was actually hovering around 31% at one point so 30% on an NBA level is nothing great you're not going to be averaging 3.4 attempts or whatever if you're shooting at that rate I think you're going to actually see a little bit less but with him I mean that's all he's known for so if he's open he's going to take the shot and some nights he was feeling it some nights he was just ice cold and ultimately i just don't think there was enough of a draw for us to hold on to him anyways so we weren't going to retain him we weren't going to value his free agency rights at all you know if we could somehow get a second round pick or package him last month at the deadline we definitely would have done it this just shows that there was zero interest when it came down to it or at 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 max, he was just going to be a filler in some major deal, you know, if teams needed a, a third team, like how we used the New York Knicks with Austin Rivers. But yeah, I mean, there's a reason we didn't keep him. Already 26, no long term future with a team. And with him likely wanting out anyways, I'm not going to say for sure he wanted out, but with him wanting to be able to make a future for himself, obviously he's going to want to do that. I don't think Oklahoma City and Justin Jackson were kind of on the same timeline. Definitely differences there. So I think he's going to end up getting released, and he should be on a team in the next couple of days. There's four more days until you hit the deadline for playoff eligibility. So if he can get a contract signed with a playoff team or contender, he's going to be good to go for the rest of the year. I think that's what will happen. We don't know which contending team called about uh, about Justin Jackson's availability. We're going to find out now though because I can almost assure you he's going to go to that team. If not, he's going to go to a, you know, middle of the line playoff team that will give him rotational minutes because when I was thinking about it like, yeah, contenders are going to want him, but is he just going to be a safety net kind of like he was with Oklahoma City? And if that's the case, would Justin Jackson even want to go there? Or would he want to go to, like, you know, a middle team where maybe he's able to just be secured of 16 minutes and he might have those double digit performances squeezed in there? And the hope with that would be whatever team picks him up would probably want to keep him or he'll just get attraction elsewhere from the league. And, you know, he's going to want a multi year contract, not just a one or two year deal where the second year is non-guaranteed or whatever. He wants to get his money and and honestly it was probably a smart decision that he wanted out right now because it does give him a room to kinda prove himself with another franchise that might actually want him later down the line. So with us cutting him, obviously you're gonna dwindle down the full roster to 14 and you have one two way spot available. You know, one question that was raised is what's going to happen with Josh Hall? You know, he's on a two-way contract. He has looked pretty good as a finisher. The numbers have been inconsistent, but would you just elevate him up immediately to a Moses Brown kind of deal where he gets one season guaranteed this season and then everything else non-guaranteed, figure it out yourself. And Oklahoma City, they did not actually do that. They actually wanted to venture into a different path that honestly... Is a lot smarter seeing, you know, what what's gonna be going on probably the next month. They're looking towards 10-day contracts to fill the void at that number 15 spot. So it's not just gonna be let's move Josh Hall up and you're gonna have two pieces to fill. Now, with Josh Hall sticking in a two-way role, it's pretty much going to get him the entirety of the season. Two-way contracts really are just one-year contracts this year. That's 15th spot it's not just going to be a one person gig if you're going to keep filtering in and out 10 days you're going to be good to go and you're going to get much more value than you would if you just patched it up immediately since the two ways as i talked about are really the exact same thing as a one-year contract so oklahoma city they ditched justin jackson i'll make sure to get you news on what happens with him but we immediately filled it up in the same hour with another guy in justin robinson so you get another justin coming into the program and he's a much better fit than justin jackson so justin robinson 23 years old pretty solid point guard one of the better ones in the g league he ended up playing with the delaware bluecoats in the orlando bubble so that's the philadelphia 76ers affiliate that's where paul reed played so there was a bit of a tandem there him at point guard Reed at the center but he averaged 15 and a half points 3.4 rebounds and 5.9 assists in the season and that 5.9 assist mark that was in the top 10 league wide that was the ninth best total we saw from anybody and the names in front of him you know the filtering and the requirements for the g league since there was only 15 games it's not that hard to meet the criteria. So some of the names you would have seen above him played like five to six games. It wasn't that hard to be above him. So out of players who were consistently playing, he's probably like a top six guy in it when it came to the passing category. And even going further than that, when everything was kind of coming down to the line in the postseason, Justin Robinson was the best distributor in the entire league. In the postseason, he was Delaware's best guy. Paul Reed was the regular season MVP, but postseason MVP for Delaware was Justin Robinson. Reed averaged about 18 points. Robinson, he still averaged 15.5 points. But what upped was the assist category, and he blew out the park compared to everybody else in the playoffs. He averaged 10.7 assists and he also averaged 3.3 steals so he was great on offense and on defense he was amazing in the pick and roll one of the better decision makers there when you got a guy like Paul Reed setting your screens and him rolling to the basket being able to make those passes, those needle threading passes pay off big time because once Paul Reed gets it and he has the rim right in front of him, he's got a full head of steam and he is going to make it count down there. So that's really what was going on with him. But also, he is a very good ball handler. He's only six foot one. He makes up for it with the reads that he has in the pick and rolls, but also the quick first step. I mean, when you look at his highlight tape, normally sizes up with, you know, behind the back. In between the legs and then he'll just accelerate he gets by his man pretty athletic so he'll kind of glide in the air to get his layups to go in but also it's not just you know driving in where he excels probably his best offensive trait might as well be shooting the basketball he shot over 40 percent from the three-point line with Delaware this season 40.5 percent and he shot it almost six times a game he was almost their number one option from the perimeter and there's a good reason why because he was making defenders pay for sagging off on him and a lot of it has to do you know when you got a screen set you might go under when they go under he is going to pop it and that really ended up paying off for him when it comes down to how he shoots the basketball you know he's a lefty honestly left left-handed shooters they look so much better than right-handed shooters I don't know if it's just because there's less of them but I just think it looks so clean you know when it goes in pretty silky you know I kind of associate lefties to Deontay Burton for whatever reason kind of got that same that same touch when it goes in uh as Burton does like not a crazy high arcing shot but it gets the job done and you know obviously with him shooting so well yeah um uh, he can prove it with the numbers there. But um yeah, I mean when he shoots it he jumps forward just a little bit. You know, typically you just want to have like a jump, you know, vertically and then you can get it off pretty good release point. Just jump a little bit forward. I wouldn't consider it a major problem with him though. As long as he's got the room, he's going to find a way to make the shot go in. So, I'm I'm pretty happy with the with the pickup here. I think that he really does have potential just everywhere i don't know if he's going to be a player that you extend for a full season but we're going to give him a chance in these 10 days might get another 10-day contract you get two of those and then the team they can't give him a third they have to make a call right then and there if they're going to pick him up for the remainder of the season i don't know if we're going to do that simply because sga is still kind of there and whenever sga comes back you know the point guard's spot really might already be secured because you have sga jerome maladone that's really just a three-headed monster one of those would play at the shooting guard obviously but the other one they're going to be playing at the point guard so i kind of evaporate any minutes but you give him a chance kind of give a dice roll here and see if you can hit i think it's a very good point guard pickup especially when he's already 23 years old i saw something on twitter for the signing you know of complaining like why weren't other players picked over him because his stats you know aren't that crazy like there are some other guards who didn't get picked up who are averaging about 23 24 points that are untouched and the reason is because oklahoma city they're not gonna bring in any sort of veterans if there was a playoff team who was desperate of a point guard right now they'd probably lean towards the veterans who aren't signed right now, like a Jarrett Jack or Jeremy Lin. Those would be your targets. You know, there's even other guys like a Yogi Farrell, damn near, if you wanted to deep go like that far, but you probably wouldn't go over getting, you know, a Justin Robinson type player, but Justin Robinson, he's on the up and up those other players that I listed. Yeah. They'd probably be good for a playoff run right now, but they don't fit, you know, that's an even worse fit than Justin Jackson, and Justin Jackson's only 26 years old, so good pickup here, you know, really just a low-risk play, if we don't like him, we can just scrap him, pick up another guy on a 10-day contract, but yeah, if you look at his tape, he looks like he's gonna fit perfectly for us, and with SGA down, he will get his time to shine, so you get the 15-man roster filled for the NBA level, but what about that second two-way contract? My predictions, you know, I did a whole episode on this. I thought if they were going to get someone on a two-way, it would have been a center. I thought it was going to be Dante Hall or Omer Yurtseven. Hall is only 23. Yurtseven's 22. But I also talked about how, you know, the blue roster is just stacked. I even did a post and a podcast, I think late February, early March, when the season ended, there are about five to six guys that I could honestly see getting a two-way contract, and I didn't know if it would be with us, but just somewhere, I could have seen it, and the guy that the Thunder picked was on that list. Getting a guy from the Oklahoma City Blue, they tack on Jalen Horde to fill out the roster. I'm a pretty big fan of this. Now, when it comes down to our needs, probably our center spot would have been the primary area we need to look towards but if we're just going for best player available who can fill out the most for us and probably has the most potential Jalen Horde is going to be up there on the list six foot eight point forward he was not just playing at the small forward spot he's playing actually a lot at the power forward too because of Pokachevsky and his just on and off schedule with the team he had a lot of different areas he needed to work on and when you look at his end of season stats with a blue on paper it's really not that glamorous he only averaged 9.7 points 4.8 rebounds and two assists but his contributions went far past that his presence alone was amazing but i just think that he kind of clashed with what grant gibbs was doing with the team so whenever gibbs was kind of orchestrating the blue offense this year you had Brown or Yurt7 at least won them on the floor about 99.9% of the time the times you didn't see him on it was like Poku and you probably got 10 minutes the whole year of seeing neither of them on so with Brown and Yurt7 Yurt7 can pop it a little bit but he was still grounded in the post about 75% of the time and with Moses Brown he was in the paint really 100% If he wasn't setting a high ball screen, he was sitting under the basket waiting for a kickout. And the guys who were handling the basketball, Poku was one of the main players, Xavier Simpson, and you also had Ty Jerome when he was with the team handling the basketball. Jalen Horde, he is a point forward. He loves having the basketball in his hands, and that's where he tries to create plays for himself. Amazing, amazing finisher when he gets into space did not not really have that you know he didn't ever cross the timeline with the basketball outside of a transition play so his role when he was playing was really just designated to sitting at one of the wings or one of the corners as a catch and shoot guy and he's not a very good shooter he only shot 22 from three I think he had one game where he shot three or four from distance, but outside of that, he was pretty bad. So you couldn't rely on him to shoot the basketball. So his main kind of style of play was gone, but he still made the most out of it. So he'd get the ball at the corner of the wing and he would just go right into attack mode. He knew that defenses were purposely just not guarding him. If there was a guy they weren't going to close out on, it was Jalen Horde. So he'd get the basketball off of you know a, a driving dish And he'd just go right at the big man, the guard, whoever was in his way, he'd charge because he knew that whoever was down there, they were not in good positioning because they just came off of defending Moses Brown or Yurt Seven or, you know, a Xavier Simpson layup, whoever it would be. So that's already dangerous. And then you get another threat of Jalen Horde running your way. It's going to be a problem. So he was just a freight train driving into the lane. And he was one of the better finishers for us. He almost made 60% of his inside shots. I think when you just look at layups, he probably was a little bit better in that area. And when it came to layups, you know, he either, you know, just made it or he would get fouled because with a six foot eight guy slashing right into you. You're going to have to make some contact if you're making a miss, especially when you're not in the right spot to begin with. So he got to the free throw line a pretty solid amount. I know a couple of games this year, he actually led the team in free throws attempted. When you look at the average of the year, it's only 1.7. I still contribute that to his role never being set in stone, but he's very good at getting to the free throw line. So I kind of rack him up as kind of like a Josh Hall in terms of how he's playing. I think Josh Hall likes shooting the basketball a little bit more than Jalen Horde. And Josh Hall, he does like dribbling a little bit more at the perimeter as well. But they kind of have that same mindset where their priority on offense is just attacking the basket as much as possible. And he's going to hang glide up there and try to get a layup or hell, posterize somebody. He has posterized a couple of different players in the bubble. I know I was looking at the top like 75 G League dunks. Jalen Horde made that list multiple times. He was catching bodies in Orlando and you know, it's a lot different in Orlando. Players there, not, not on that same category, but Moses Brown, he had a seamless transition, I think Jalen Horde is one of those unique guys who probably can do the same as well, because his skill set is not just sharpshooting, he's not your, you know, six foot three, six foot four point guard, who is a good shooter, you know, that stuff can translate, but you need a lot more to rely on in order to move up to the next level, Jalen Horde being a point forward, you never saw that, In the G League, you know, I talked about Josh Hall whenever we saw him play. There's not many players who aren't in the NBA that are point forwards. Josh Hall's a point forward. He's on a two-way. Jalen Horde is a point forward. Get him on a two-way. Probably one of the only guys left that you could put in that category. But unlike Josh Hall, Jalen Horde is not just a strict three as I talked about. He moves up to the four and he does an amazing job at it. He's only listed as weighing 218 pounds. That's pretty, pretty low for a power forward, but he's able to use his size and his wingspan to kind of make up for it. So, teams would kind of try to use him as like a string to pull. So, in the post, you could try to body him, right? And then also, when you have like a stretch four or whatever, you try to drag him in, maybe get him spaced out so you can attack the basket. I think he found a very happy medium in guarding those bigger players, but also being able to step out for three. I know he was pretty involved in, you know, helping out to contest shots whenever there's a one-on-one situation, someone driving in. He made pretty good reads on when and when not to double team and when and when not to try to go up for the block. So he was very, very disciplined. I think he's pretty well Minded when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, and this is something that you can actually back up with the statistics. He only averaged 1.4 fouls, playing at two different positions, playing really in areas he hasn't been covered in, you know, before playing with the Oklahoma City Blue. But he still averaged 0.7 steals and 0.6 blocks. So he did it on stealing, blocking, and he didn't, you know, force himself into contacts like some of these other players so when i look at what oklahoma city wants jalen horde checks the boxes for about everything you need he's a guy who can play defense he's going to be able to play at the three and four positions and he's going to be able to handle the ball and he's going to be able to finish and yes he also can rebound at a pretty good rate you look at his vertical yeah he's going to be skying up to grab the basketball so i think this was just a home run play when it came to Jalen horde we're gonna have him for the remainder of the season so there's nothing to fret about there and i think you know when you want to look at the needs sure you could say you know why didn't we get hall why didn't we get yurt seven i think Jalen horde fits nicely especially with all the guys we have injured right now darius basley's on a week-to-week Prognosis, so we don't know when he's going to be back. Isaiah Roby is in concussion protocol. Josh Hall is in concussion protocol, and Lou Dort is also not gonna be playing. So there is four guys at his positions where no one's playing. He's gonna be able to come in from the get-go and get minutes. Also, let me add, Justin Jackson has been playing around 18 minutes, whenever all these guys have been gone, and Mike Muscala is gone too. Not that he would have played, but just some more support to that. So he's going to be able to play 18 to 20 minutes when he gets into action with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And the craziest part about all of this, he's going to be able to play tonight. Mark Dagnall addressed the media in their presser. Not just Jalen Horde will be playing, but also Justin Robinson. He said in the conference, that they will toss them out there for some minutes so they will be checking in against the detroit pistons and you know i did this blog post i always do blog posts on all these the recent news stuff like that i i talked about it on my blog kyle singler 4 mvp.com is where you would go for that but i just kind of addressed why i think this is an amazing game and number one it's because you have everybody out both robinson and and horde will be able to play and in the case of robinson it's going to be a little bit less because you still do have Teo and ty getting minutes but there's still going to be a void that needs to be filled at the point guard because you do see some of them flip-flop at the shooting guard spot they're both six foot five Tao and ty that is so they can fill up at the two while Robinson runs the point guard spot. And with Horde, I already addressed it. There's so many players gone. He's really just going to get thrusted in the forefront of this team during the game. So I'm not going to calculate how many minutes, but I'd expect them to play at least 15. We've seen these really shorthanded rotations where you see guys that typically don't play getting 20 plus. I'm talking Josh Hall mainly. Darius Miller's been playing a lot too. But I think those two guys, they're going to be playing at least 15 minutes. And if Darius Miller is just out of the rotation, I don't know if they do that right now. That's only more minutes for Jalen Horde. And Dagnall, in this same conference, really just hyping up both of them. He mentioned how the scouts thought really highly of Jalen Horde. You know, in Portland days, he was with Moses Brown. They both transitioned over to OKC Blue. Now they both have guaranteed contracts you know, pretty much they already knew what they had in them whenever they were seeing him in the Orlando bubble. And in the case of Robinson, he said the scouts have been paying close attention and, you know, he thought he was pretty solid. You know, from the tape, he does look good and they get their shot. So I think this is an amazing game to try, just test him out because of the injuries, but also just Detroit, their rotation in their lineup is not that great. Number one, but number two, They've kind of been testing out their younger core of players just like we have because they're tanking, they're the worst team in the Eastern Conference, but they also have just been stacking on younger and younger players. They got Hamadou Diallo from us, he's been on a tear. We're going to see him in his revenge game, if you want to call it that. You're also going to see Frank Jackson playing in this game, and Frank Jackson, he got signed on a two-way contract pretty early on into the season like we waived him not too long after i think it was a couple weeks he ended up getting signed by troy weaver for the pistons and he has been playing he had a 23 point game last month he's been having double digit performances really 75 yeah 75 percent of the time i think so he's a real threat coming in this game i also know they've been exploring to other players in the g league tyler cook a power forward from the Iowa Wolves, he's with them right now. He should get a little bit of minutes. So the guys and the matchups you're going to see Horde and Robinson playing against in this game are going to be pretty well matched because they're not going to be these superstars. They're going to be some more developmental guys kind of trying to earn their stripes. So it's going to be a good feeler game. I think it's a good first game to kind of establish themselves before we move on ahead into the regular season so Robinson a little bit more on a tight string because he only has 10 days but he's gonna be able to play that's really really important in the grand scheme of things since it gives you an extra day to kind of work with the team and get in-game experience and then with Horde really no timetable with him we know he's here for the long run but we still want to see as much as we can and try to get him kind of moving on the right foot so I like it. I like how, you know, this was kind of almost planned from the get-go. You had both guys in Oklahoma City already. I guess with Jalen Horde, you could maybe say he was already in OKC. That's probably a far stretch. I've seen some of these other OKC blue players. They are not anywhere close to Oklahoma City. They're in their hometown or like I talked about with Ryan Woolridge in Indianapolis watching Jalen Suggs make a game winner. So got him. Robinson's already over there. Great communication. They've had this kind of lined up like I talked about. And, you know, we're going to be able to see some pretty good basketball going up against the Detroit Pistons. So we started this day thinking there was only going to be eight players playing for us due to all the injuries. Now we bolster it to 10 and it's two more young guys we get to watch and see thrive with the program. So very happy for this game, I'm gonna make sure to get you guys a recap. This might be one of those games where I'm actually able to record right after the end of it because it is a 6 p.m. start time. So I might be able to iron one out, like get it out in, like midnight for you guys, so you can just listen to it in the morning. I know you guys like those episodes, so I'll try to do that. Um, I'm gonna watch the game. I'll get you guys the post on Kyle Singler for MVP.com, and all should be well there. But other than that though guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.